0: Good morning. What's going on? Hey, um, how many of y'all are wintertime people that, you know, when it's hot, you're saying, oh, I wish it was cold. I can't. I love wintertime. Is there anybody of y'all out there? All right, I hope all y'all are happy, right? <laughs> because us summertime people are miserable right now. Donnie told me a while ago that he saw something on TV, and I don't know where this was happening, but he said there were iguanas were just dropping out of trees because, uh, they, you know, they're cold blo- or, yeah, cold-blooded. And uh, and they get to a certain temperature and their body just shuts down. That's about to happen to me. We, get, we have a few more of these days. Y'all might get here next Sunday, and I'm not going to be here. And they'll say Cliff's body just shut down, and he's just laying in the floor in the house, and nobody can move him or whatever. So uh, it's been been kind of crazy with the weather. But glad you're here today. Um, we're going to talk continue our series today that that we started last week called House, and uh, and we're talking about how our lives, our spiritual lives are like a house where we have these different rooms and, and there are these different areas of our lives. And, and just like I said last week, as, as it's good an idea with your house to kind of refurbish it and make sure that there's some ongoing maintenance and some upkeep going on, the same thing is true for our spiritual lives. And so uh, we're going to continue to talk about that today. And just to kind of remind you what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about the garage and we talked about possessions and we we talked about whether or not our possessions are possessing us. And the fact that sometimes we live in a culture that that is pushing possessions on us so much that we have to step back and we have to really view what the scripture says about what God's idea of, of healthy relationship with our possessions are and so if you weren't here last week I want to encourage you to go on the website freedomfellowshipsc.com and listen to that message from last week just so you can kind of understand where we're going with this with this uh, series. Today I want us to talk about a different room of the house and uh, when I was growing up I grew up in a um, uh, ranch style single level home that was built in the 1960s probably like a a lot of houses that y'all grew up in and, uh, you know, those were the houses where uh, you had to have a hallway with bedrooms all, you know. No, no, hardly any new houses being built today seem to have hallways in them. But back then, man, you had this, all my friends' houses, you had this hallway with pictures of the kids hanging in there. And then you, here's a bedroom, here's a bedroom, here's a bathroom, there's another bedroom down there on the end. and So that kind of thing. But also, our house had something that a lot of houses built back then had. We had two big rooms in the house that were back-to-back divided by one wall, Right. And, uh, and and one of them we called the den, and the other one that we called the living room. Now, nobody that I ever knew back then had a great room. That was something that was invented like in 1997 or something. People started building houses and calling it a great room. Where I was growing up, no one had a great room. We had dens and living rooms and family rooms or TV rooms is what they called them. But at my house, we had a den and a living room. And the den was the room that that had the uh, the TV in it, so... That was where we hung out a lot because we were watching TV or playing Atari or, you know, that kind of... And by the way, if there's any, like, teenagers, ask your parents about Atari. They'll tell you all about it. It was awesome. And, uh, and so uh, we'd hang out in there a lot. But the living room at my house didn't have a TV, and it was the bigger of the two rooms. And I can remember as a kid growing up when we would have family over and especially like on holidays and some other times like that, that seemed to be where everybody ended up hanging out because it was larger and because of the fact that there was no TV in there so you could really talk and kind of get to know each other. And that's kind of the way the living room was. And so what I want us to talk about today in this idea of our, our lives being a spiritual house, I want us to talk about the living room of our life and I want us to talk about our relationships, We're going to talk today about our relationships. Now, relationships are are something that all of us are involved in. and, uh, and, and, And I think it's a good idea for us to talk about this this week, right after we finished last week talking about possessions. Because I think if we will talk about relationships today, it will remind us really of what's important. Because think about your life for a second. Think about where you've come from. all your experiences and and, uh, where you are today. And as you look back through your life, what are the things that really have made an impact on you? What are the things that right now you look back and you say, man, that was really, really important. Chances are all of those things have something to do with relationships. It's probably not something you bought. It's probably not even something you achieved, but it's something that had to do with a relationship. Maybe a relationship you had with a teacher that completely changed your life and set you in a better direction. Maybe a relationship you had with a coach. Or maybe for some of you even, it's a relationship you had that that really wasn't that good at the time, but you learned from it. And maybe someone you dated and you realized, I don't ever want to marry somebody like that. And that helped you to make a better choice later on. So for for all of us, We're all involved with relationships, and relationships really are just extremely important. In fact, in many ways, in many ways, our lives are defined by our relationships. Because think about this. Uh, As we think about the fact that our lives are defined by relationships, um, when you describe yourself, when you've met someone for the first time and they're asking you about who you are, and you start to describe yourself, you'll say things like, well, I'm married, or I'm single, or, or I was divorced and now I'm remarried, or uh, you'll say, uh, you know, I'm the father of these kids, or I'm the mother of these kids, or, or my parents are so-and-so, uh, you know, and I'm their son, whatever, or their daughter. And all of those ways you're describing yourself all have to do with relationships. And so we define ourselves by our relationships, and not only do we define ourselves by our relationships, a lot of times the way we see the world and the way we handle things and the way we confront issues all a lot of that has to do with the relationships we've been in and the relationships we're in now. Think about this. If you have had in your life and do have now healthy relationships, you know what that's done for you. You know how that's kind of set you up for success you realize how that has put you in a level where now you feel more confident there's some things you can do. And also, if you're on the other spectrum of that, which a lot of folks are, if you have had or are right now involved in some dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships, you understand what that does for you as well. You understand how that makes you puts you in a position where you have to overcome a lot of things and where that kind of cripples you. And so what I want us to talk about today is, I want us to talk about our relationships, and there's, I want us to do two things. One is we're going to look at two uh, elements that, are, that should be in every healthy relationship. In fact, if you're in a relationship and it doesn't have these two elements, it's probably not healthy. We're not going to talk about unhealthy relationships today because here's the thing. You already know what an unhealthy relationship looks like. You've probably been in one. You've got friends who are in those, and you know what an unhealthy relationship looks like. It involves a lot of selfishness, and it involves one person trying to use the other person, one person trying to control the other person, and you know what those are like. So instead, we're going to look at two elements of healthy relationships, and then we're going to look at two things that I think are key for all relationships if you want any relationship to be healthy. So the first thing is this. Healthy relationships survive through difficulty. Healthy relationships survive through difficulty. I'm sure there's a lot of you here that if I called you up on this stage and handed you a microphone, well, a lot of you would be scared if I did that, but I'm sure there was some of you that if I called you up on this stage and handed you a microphone, you could tell stories of healthy relationships you've been in that where someone stood by you during your lowest point, where things were not good, that that life was falling apart, things that you had created, things that just had happened to you, and you could tell about here was somebody or here was a friend or here was a husband or a wife or someone who stood by my side. This relationship not only survived difficulty, but it thrived during difficult times. And then at the same time, there are some of you that I could hand you a microphone and you could come up here and you could say, you know what, when I was at my lowest time, I really found out who my friends were because I saw who walked away from me at that point as well. Healthy relationships survive through difficulty. I want you to, If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of Galatians. That's in the New Testament. That's the second part of the Bible. Galatians. Right after First and Second Corinthians, those are kind of some long books, so if you're looking for it there, if you get to that, keep going to the right and you'll get to Galatians. I'm going to read one verse from Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. One of the things that's true about life is that all of us are going to have trouble. All of us at some point are going to experience difficulty. You're going to have some things happen to you that you wish did not happen. You're going to make some choices that are going to mess things up for yourself. And later on, you're going to look back and think of how stupid that was that you did those things. That's part of living on this earth. And this verse is a great picture of what life is supposed to be like when we come through those times there should be people around us that will help us to carry those burdens to carry that heavy load that has happened to us now I love the verse there when it says carry each other's burdens that word carry one of the the, the Greek verb there the, the verb tense of it and, and I'm not an English teacher so I can't remember maybe it's active I can't remember but anyway it means to keep on carrying So that verse really could be translated, carry and keep on carrying each other's burdens. In other words, this is not a one-time thing. This is not something that you should do for someone and say, hey, this is a limited time offer. I'm carrying your burden for six months and then that's it. You know, it says keep on carrying each other's burdens. And that if you're in a healthy relationship, it should be able to survive through difficulty because you are willing to carry the burdens of the people that you are in relationship with. Now listen, let, let's let's get real down to serious talk here. What type of burdens are we talking about? What type of difficult times are we talking about? You see, I think that generally most people I mean, you would just have to be really selfish if you weren't willing to do this. I think most people are willing to carry the burdens of someone if the burden was something that happened to them and they had no control over it. For example, if you have a friend that their life is going fine, everything seems to be healthy, they start having some difficulties, they go to the doctor and find out they've got cancer and they've got a limited time left on this earth, almost 100% of you, Almost 100% of people that I know of would say, man, I'm going to be by that person's side. I've been their friend. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take meals over there. I'm going to do the, you know, do their housework for them. I'm going to help carry their kids where they need to go. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this person's life better because I love them and they have this difficulty that's come up. They've got cancer. Or, or if someone dies, if you have a friend that, and uh, someone in their family dies, you're going to be there right by their side. And those are things that happen to us that we have no control over. But now what about those burdens that happen that people bring on themselves? What about when somebody just does something stupid and they ruin their marriage and they ruin their relationship with their kids and they lose their job and it's all and it's, it's nobody else's fault but theirs because they made a choice to do something that was just dumb and they made a choice to do that dumb thing over and over again. That's when it gets hard for us to carry those burdens because there's a part of us that says, you know what? I'm done with them. They were stupid. If they were dumb enough to do that to themselves, I'm finished with them. And that's kind of a natural thing to do. But you know what kind of burdens this verse is talking about? That's exactly the kind it's talking about. It's talking about burdens created by sin. Look at verse 1 and 2 together. Galatians 6.1 says this. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, for you also may be tempted. Then verse 2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now that's a harder thing to do. It's a harder thing for a relationship to survive through difficulty when the difficulty was created by the sin of one of the people in that, in that relationship. Because what we want to do is we want justice. And we want to just say, forget you. I wouldn't have been dumb enough to do that. I'm done with you. But the Scripture tells us that's when we should carry the burdens of the other person. That's not only when we should carry them, that's when we should keep on carrying the burden of the other person when they have done something that they have messed up their lives as a result of their sin. Not just when things happen that are out of their control. Now notice it never says in there, hey, tell them it's okay and that's not really a sin anymore. It doesn't say to condone the sin. You know, you got a friend that, that's cheated on his wife, you don't say to him, hey, I understand your wife's fat and that other girl's hot, I, I get it, you know. You know, you don't you, don't, you don't do that kind of stuff. But what it says is, instead of, you don't condone the sin, but at the same time, you don't turn your back on the person person you stand by their side and you say listen you've blown it you've messed up because it says that you're supposed to look in verse one again it says there if someone's caught in a sin you should restore him gently so you're supposed to stand there and you're never supposed to tell him it's okay but you're supposed to say I'm going to stay here with you we're going to get you back on the right track and I've been your friend when things were good and I'm going to be your friend even though now you're a dummy and we're going to get you back on the right track, living the way you're supposed to live, again. It was a guy that that uh, Chris Roberts and I went to, to college with, and um, he was a, a minister in a church and on staff at a church, and um, ended up getting a divorce from his wife. And um, and you know, for a lot of folks, getting a divorce, getting a divorce is terrible no matter what the situation. But for a lot of folks, that doesn't hurt your uh, career, But being on staff at a church and he got a divorce and he was all of a sudden like the black sheep and shunned and, and he talked about how he found out then who really was his friend and who was just the friend of the guy who was on staff at the church that as soon as he lost that, people started falling away, and he really learned that he didn't have as many true friends as he thought he did. And then when we were talking, he talked about another friend of of mine and Chris's that, that we know that he said now, he said, but I'll tell you somebody who stood by my side the whole time. And he said, and I knew, he said, I knew that he was my true friend because he was always calling me, he was trying to encourage me, and he said, and I'll never forget him for that. We're going to go through difficulties. And if we're, if we're in a healthy relationship, our healthy relationships will survive through those difficulties. Second thing is this. Healthy relationships make us better people. Healthy relationships make us better people. Go ahead and turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27. Proverbs 27. It's right in the middle of the Bible, right next to Psalms. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I want you to do me a favor right now. I want you to think about someone who's had an, a huge influence on your life. Think about a person that's had a huge influence on your life, on the way you think, the way you act, who you are today, and I want you to tell the name of that person and who they were to someone sitting next to you. Go ahead and do that right now. All right. Good. How many smart husbands do we have? In here? How many smart husbands looked at their wives and said, Honey, it's you. Joel Hammett. Joel Hammett is the smartest guy in the room. All right, men, if y'all want to learn, y'all need to come talk to Joel, all right? I, I Guys, I threw you that softball, set you up, you know? No, chances are, most of you probably, th- if you're like most people, you probably said someone who at one point or another in your life was in authority over you. Like, for instance, if I was answering that question, the first person that would come to my mind would be my dad. And, you know, I could tell you about how my dad, who I am today, so much of it I owe to who my dad is. And, and of course, my dad has been an authority in my life since the time I was born. And even though I'm not under his roof anymore, I still look at him as an authority in my life. Maybe some of you talked about a coach or a teacher or somebody who at some point or another, you were underneath kind of, and you had to look up to them. And, and that's really, you know, those are the people that influence us. But what I love about Proverbs twenty seven seventeen is it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This is talking about two equal people. Two people on the same level. You see, iron and iron is... is I know I sound really country when I say that, but I can't help it. Iron and iron, they're really, they're really the same. Like y'all don't talk country either. But Iron and iron, we're talking about two of the same things. And if people that know how to do that kind of thing can take two pieces of iron of equal strength and they can use those two things to make both of them sharper... And so it's not like you've got one that's bigger and one that's better and one that's more improved. They're both equal. And if you're in a healthy relationship with someone, then it should make both of you a better person. Even though one person's not in authority over the other, we're just talking about friendship somebody that you know, that you've known a long time, that you hang out with, and if both of you are giving all you can to the relationship and both of you are are being the person you're supposed to be, it should make both of you into better people. See, all of us can use the influence of others to make us more healthy and to make us stronger. All of us have something we can learn from the people around us. There's not one of us that has it all together. There's not one of us that knows everything to know about everything there is. We can always be learning. And if we are in healthy relationships, we will make each other better. You see, I, I tend to think that a lot of times we, uh, we kind of, if we're not careful, we will, um, we'll lean towards selfishness because we're human beings. And so we like to be involved in relationships sometimes where we don't have to give a whole lot, but we receive a lot. And if that's the kind of relationships we want to be in, then we're not going to make anybody else better. We might benefit from it, but we're not benefiting anybody else. But if it's a healthy relationship, instead of being selfish, you're saying, what can I give to this person as I receive from this person? And so a healthy relationship makes everybody better. Now, I was trying to think about some examples and I thought about, you know, the Bible, about like, you know, David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. That would be an example of that relationship. And Peter and Paul in the New Testament, even though they didn't always see eye to eye, I think both of those men were made stronger as a result of their relationship. And then, just because of the way my mind works, I thought about Hall and Oates. You know I mean? Those are two guys. You think about all they accomplished together. You know, and and I know that doesn't have anything to do with the Bible, but that was who came to my mind. But but uh, healthy relationships will make Both people better will make us better people. Now, I want us to get real serious here uh, just for the last two points because we're going to talk about two keys to healthy relationships. And I understand when I talk about these two keys to healthy relationships, I understand that neither one of them are the easiest thing there is to do. But Scripture tells us that if we want to have healthy relationships, these last two things are extremely important. The first one is this. The first key to a healthy relationship is to forgive freely. Forgive freely. You know why relationships are so tough? Because it involves other human beings. Um, We have a dog that I have a great relationship with because he's not a human. He never backtalks me. He thinks I'm the greatest thing ever. He always wants to be by my side. The only thing he does that would really, uh, that would, re- you know, that, that's really not good that I would not put up with, with a human is he uses the bathroom on my carpet every now and then. And that, if you're a human and you do that, we're done. You know, I'm just going to tell you <laughs> right now that I draw the line at that, right? But uh, other than that, you know, buddy is like the greatest relationship you can have because he loves you and he's just always happy to see you. You know, I could have murdered three people and walk in the house and he's going to be like, ha, 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 "Ha, so good to see you again," you know, that kind of thing. And uh but but when you're in relationships with people, it's not that easy. Because here's why. Everybody's messed up. I don't know if you know that or not, but you're damaged goods. You're messed up. And if you don't think you're messed up, ask your husband or wife and they'll ta- if they're honest, they'll say, "Yeah, Cliff's right, you're pretty messed up." I mean, we all have problems. We're all messed up. And because of that, being in relationships with people is extremely difficult. Even the healthy relationships from time to time are going to be very, very hard. And so when that happens, when somebody does something you don't like, and it's inevitable, if you're in a relationship with someone after a long period of time, they're going to get on your nerves, they're going to do something you don't like, they're going to turn their back on you for a while, something's going to happen. And when that happens, look at what it says in Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever, that word is so important. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then here's the real crux of the whole issue. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You want to know the the basic Cliff Marshall interpretation of that scripture? It's this. There is no reason for you to never forgive someone. There is never a reason for you to refuse forgiveness. Never. Let me say that again. There is never a reason for you to refuse to forgive someone. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how bad it hurt you. I don't care how much it embarrassed you. I don't care what it did to your self-esteem. I don't care... Whatever it was, and there are some bad things I can think of when I say that. But if we believe what Colossians 3.13 says, it says that forgive each other whatever grievances you may have. That means whatever it might be. And we're supposed to forgive as the Lord forgives us. Now, how does God forgive us? God forgives us completely, immediately, and freely. Whatever it is, He forgives us. When does he forgive us? As soon as we've committed it and asked for forgiveness or as soon as we've committed it, he forgives us. He doesn't hold a grudge and say, well, you know, I'm thinking, when you committed that sin, it really hurt me, so I'm, I'm going to forgive you, but it's going to take me a while to get over it. That's the way we tell people. But if we want to have healthy relationships, if we will learn to forgive freely, it will transform our relationships. It, it never ceases to amaze me And I hear stories about this, it seems like, every week. But it never ceases to amaze me the grudges that people will hold against each other. For years. And I'm talking about people in the same family. I'm talking about people that used to be best friends. I'm talking about husbands versus wives, wives versus husbands. I'm talking about kids against their parents. And people will hold grudges. And they will even go so far as to never speak to someone. And I don't want to see that person. I don't want to speak to them. I could never forgive them for what they did to me. And let me tell you, when you do that, you are killing yourself. I heard somebody say this a long time ago, and I think it's so true. When you hold a grudge against somebody, it's like you drinking poison every day and hoping it's going to kill them. All you're doing is killing yourself. And if you want to have healthy relationships, you can begin by learning to forgive freely. Now, before I get to the next one, just what I know about a group of this size, there are some of you, you get this many people together in a room, There are some of you in here right now that you probably don't even need to listen to the rest of the service. You need to go ahead and get up now, take out your cell phone and walk out in the parking lot and call someone right now and ask for forgiveness. Because there's somebody somebody out here. You have someone in your life that you haven't spoken to in 5, 10, 20 years. And you had words with them and y'all might have cussed each other out. Maybe it even came to blows and somebody beat you out of money or they cheated with your wife or whatever it was they did. And you've said, I'll never forgive that person. I'll go to my grave hating that person. And right now, you probably don't even need to listen to the rest of the service. You need to get up and you need to go call them and make it right right now. Because if we're going to have healthy relationships, we need to learn how to forgive freely. And then the last key to a healthy relationship, and this one is so simple, We need to remember the basics. Remember the basics. What are the basics? Jesus said this. So in everything, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Little kids know it as the golden rule. Adults seem to forget it. That's one of the most basic things. If you were raised in a, in a family that... Not, you don't even have to be raised in a Christian family. If you were raised in a family that wanted you to succeed and, and wanted you to learn how to treat other people, you were probably taught that at some point. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. I mean, I can remember as a kid, my mom telling me that. No, Would you want somebody to do that to you? So you don't treat them that way. If you want somebody to treat you a certain way, then you treat them the way you want to be treated. That's the way it works. And that is the most basic truth there is, but it is still the best rule for dealing with people. It is still the best way to deal with people. I mean, it's just just simple, but we forget it. I mean, if you want to be encouraged by somebody, then spend time encouraging people. If you want to be greeted with a smile, then greet people with a smile. If you want someone to come visit you when, when, when you're in the hospital, then you visit people when they're in the hospital. If you want someone to to uh, come check on you when your loved one dies, then you better be checking on people when their loved ones die. If you don't want people to talk about you behind your back, then you better not talk about people behind their back. I mean, it's just simple. but and, and that's why I think it's so extremely profound is that Jesus said, Listen, let me make all this really easy for you. This whole deal of dealing with people, we could spend, you don't need to have a, a a weekend seminar on how to get along with people. I mean, I know Dale Carnegie wrote some good stuff, but you don't even need to read that Dale Carnegie book, which is a classic. You just need to remember, treat people the way you want to be treated. And if we can all learn how to forgive, for, and listen, by the way, I'm working on this myself, all right? I got some people I don't like. I'll just tell you, right? And so I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here saying I got it all together. If I can and if you can, if we can all learn how to forgive freely and if we can learn how to remember the basics to treat people the way we want to be treated, it will transform our relationships. And as it transforms our relationships, it will then transform our community. It will transform this state. It will transform the world. And it can begin with us learning how to forgive freely and treat people the way we want to be treated. Now, as we finish up, the last thing that I want to tell you is this. As you think about your relationships, don't neglect the most important relationship of all. Don't neglect the most important relationship of all. You can get along great with people and be a great guy and everybody pat you on the back and win awards from the chambers of commerce and and the city and uh, you know, the state and all that kind of stuff, and get humanitarian awards and hang them up on the wall. But your most important relationship is your relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you need to start there. And you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. And that's as simple as saying to Jesus, Listen, I need you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. And, and I need that. I need to be forgiven. I need that in my life because I'm messed up. Remember when I told you a while ago we're all messed up? That's kind of where it starts for beginning that relationship with Jesus. We can't come to Jesus and say, hey, I, I pretty much got it all together, Jesus, but I just need you to fill in the gaps. No, we've got to come to Jesus and we've got to say, hello, my name is Cliff and I'm a sinner, right? We've got to come to him and say, I'm messed up. And I need you. And that's where you begin that relationship. And then there are those of you here today, you've already begun that relationship, but, but you neglect it. Don't neglect the most important relationship of all. And kind of funny the way it works, but it, it seems like in my life, when that relationship for me is in good shape, when, when, I, when I seem to be spending the right amount of time working on that relationship with Jesus, then all my other relationships just seem to work out a whole lot better. It's easier for me to forgive freely when, my, when I'm spending the right time on my relationship with Jesus. It's easier for me to treat others the way I want to be treated when I'm working on that relationship with Jesus. So I want you to bow your heads. As, a, as, a, as you bow your heads, the band's going to come up. But if you're here this morning and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, you can pray this prayer after me. You can say these words out loud or say them silently in your heart, but pray this if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, I admit that I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. And I need to be forgiven. I know you died on the cross for me, and I accept that. I know you rose again. And I believe that. Please come in my heart and change me. And I will live for you the rest of my life. Amen. Now keep your heads bowed. If you're already a follower of Christ, I want you just to think right now about your relationships. Is there somebody you need to call today and tell them you're sorry? Is there somebody you need to call today and arrange a lunch or coffee this week to sit down and air things out? And then just think about the way you treat people. Can it be better? Do you treat people the way you want to be treated? Where you work, where you go to school, whatever it might be. And then just spend a moment or two dealing with Jesus about that, and then I'll close us in prayer. Father God, relationships are difficult because we're in them. That makes them hard. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would help me and you would help everyone in this room. You would help us to learn how to forgive people when we've been hurt, because we're going to be hurt. Lord, that you would help us to treat other people the way we want to be treated in every area of our lives. And God, most of all, help us to never neglect you you have done everything for us and even if we spend the rest of our lives talking about you it wouldn't be enough to talk about how great you are but help us to find ways in our life to give you honor and to give you praise and let it begin in our relationships we ask this in Jesus name amen